Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Online too at RadioNorthland.org. That's where you can hear uh, this episode live and past episodes too. Hi, I'm Glenn Broggett along with my co-host way down there deep in the heart of Texas. And uh, oh man, where it's getting a little bit too uh, summery as far as the temps go. Always an honor and a privilege to have them with us to talk and stuff. It's, uh, of course, uh, the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, how you doing down there? I'm doing good, man. And for all of our listeners, the Wrestling Memories Weather Report, it is 102 degrees in Fort Worth, <laughs> Texas today. It's a lovely clear blue sky. And luckily, on the 4th of July, we did not burn the place down. Uh, drought and fireworks don't make a good partnership. Yeah, that's never the right, <laughs> that's never the right cocktail. If you're trying to avoid fire... Well, anyway, it's good. Uh, glad you survived the fourth. Uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. Of course, I, uh, as, as of this recording today, it's been about a week since I've been back from uh, spending a few days out in San Francisco. I love the temps out there, by the way. Had a nice time out there. Did a little sightseeing and uh, uh, had, just had a whole lot of fun, Mike. And I know you're no stranger to that area. It's pretty good stuff uh, out there. I mean, we're probably going to go back again, but we got our taste. And now, as of this recording, I'm getting ready to head up to Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, Canada, which is just a stone's throw here from uh, the Broadcast Center, to go check out the uh, recording group The Zombies and see the Rolling Stones Unzipped exhibition. Man, this is this is why we don't have a regular schedule for recording right now, because I've either been sick or you're on vacation and going over yeah, no, San Francisco. I think I've been there once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Lovely, lovely place. Did you make it to Mel? Did you I, make it to Mel? I didn't get a chance to go eat at Mel's, but I definitely saw it a few oh. times in all of its glory. You know, you can't get all everything done in one time, my friend. There's always, uh, I'm always a, you know, an advocate of to be continued. So I definitely, if, 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 this time, it probably the next. What's that? I said, it is a nifty looking place still, isn't it? Very yeah. kind of an old school vibe to it. Well, yeah, and it wasn't that far from really from our hotel. We were down. I mean, we got to see both the good stuff, the scenic stuff, and the real stuff of San Francisco. For our hotel was right a block or two away from the Tenderloin District. So, first morning we were there, we kind of got to see some, uh, well, you know, what goes on down the loin uh, at least during the daytime hours. Nice. Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, uh, we're not here to talk about what we're doing with our summer vacations, of course. We are talking about pro wrestling. We always have our minds on our money, and our money's on our mind when we talk about pro wrestling. And it's always so much uh, stuff to talk about, too. I mean, God, with the pay-per-view schedule being what it is, uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view still kind of uh, feeling... Uh, uh, it just I, I mean, I finished watching it, still enjoying it, uh, you know, fresh in my mind, got a lot of other topics. But, you know, Mike, we, we, we lost a couple of uh, really significant guys as far as the, the pro wrestling business goes. Some real well-known referees who also had some really cool backstories. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Dave Hebner and Tim White, who uh, passed away not that far apart from each other. Um, just a terrible loss. These guys uh, definitely deserve uh, any sort of kudos they're flowers if you will but yeah mike uh some sad times for the wrestling business at least in this uh, case yeah um you know pictures had come out from uh i cannot remember the name as a nascar driver that you know of dave hebner and we saw that he was you know kind of in poor health and you know then he passed away on june 17th and then sadly enough just two days later tim white passed away another great referee I had the chance. I'm so disappointed. When I was at WrestleMania, we were walking to our seats, and I look over to the right, 
and there's Tim White walking the opposite direction. I'm like, oh, it's Tim White. But there was like two or three people in between us, and I couldn't get over to him. I missed my opportunity to actually get to shake the man's hand and introduce myself. And now that he's passed, I, I'm kind of kicking myself for maybe not kind of elbowing some people out of the way to get over to him. But, I mean, I saw him. I was only a few feet away from him. You know, and now it's just one of those memories I'm going to have to have and realize, you know, I was that close. Oh, absolutely. And then you talk about uh, Dave Hebner, one of the Hebner twins. I mean, before I really got to know, you know, Earl really came into our lives. I mean, and more had more of a presence. Uh, Dave Hebner was the guy I remember first and foremost of the Hebner twins right away. And then Earl, I, I'd see from time to time. And then, of course, the big, uh, uh, you know, TV event where uh, Hulk Hogan dropped the title to Andre. And that was the case of the, the two referees. One of them got plastic surgery. Oh, man. And that was some good stuff. But, you know, Mike, we have another guest with us today, and I would love for you to introduce him into the conversation because this guy has a lot of knowledge. This guy has done a lot. Uh, he's taken many, many a photo. He's covered many, many a pro wrestler in his day and continues to work on projects. He's a busy, ambitious guy. Mike, I'm going to let you introduce our, our guest here on Wrestling Memories. Well, definitely our guest is a very, very busy man. He was just telling us before uh, we started recording that He's currently working with A&E on that series of documentaries. I believe he said there's 46 being released in different little batches. The first 10 start on, uh, on July 10th. I believe that'll be the day this show airs. That night, there'll be the first uh, episode of the new batch of uh, WWE Biography Legends, along with Rivals and uh, Smack Talk, Talking Smack, other show. Three and a half hours of WWE programming every Sunday night on A&E for 10 weeks. I'm excited. And I'm also excited to speak to our guest. You like that segue? Uh, as you said, you know, very busy man, very well-known photographer in the, and historian in the wrestling world. And he's been a guest on our show many times, always willing to come on and talk with us about what he's doing. Also helps us along. We want to talk about the passing of, uh, you know, the, the people that, you know, that have gone on in, in time. And, you know, that's what we're doing today. He's going to talk with us a bit about Dave Hebner and Tim White some stories and his experiences with them. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Mike Lano. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. I've actually shot at, around the world for every single newsstand wrestling magazine, including freelancing for WWE. I was on staff for the entire run of WCW's newsstand 90s magazine. Shot everywhere since from 1966 to current. And uh, so the A&E uh, first docu, I'm pretty sure it's the Undertaker one. And I supplied photos yes. for, the, uh, for the first season. And, you know, they re-aired those in a marathon uh, July 3rd and 4th, and I think a bit of the 5th, you know, like the Piper and Booker T and Mick Foley and, and some of the other ones, too. So a couple of things because uh wrestling photography photojournalism writing and shooting for the magazines paid my way through dental school in san francisco where i lived in uh, fillmore which was akin to the uh, you guys are just talking about uh the tenderloin and we never called it the loin but the tenderloin which is still problematic lots of homeless and all that stuff I moved up from la spent 40 years there had to move back to Los Angeles, away from my beloved Bay Area after 40 years away. But uh, Michael, beyond Mel's, and that wasn't even the original Mel's. There's one on Van Ness, and then there was one on Gary. I think they closed, but those weren't even the original ones. 
or, or the one that was depicted in American Graffiti, the Spielberg movie. Zombies, I've shot them in concert. Those are 60s total, total rock legends. So I, I've also shot major rock and comedy concerts, but the Zombies are way up there. It's one of my favorite bands ever. And Winnipeg, total wrestling history there, because I'm providing photos uh, for like another flair project, and he has this retirement thing at the end of this month, and I'll get into uh, our beloved brothers Hebner and, and Timmy White in a sec. But Winnipeg was a site. I shot two title versus titles. There was a Bachwinkle flair, AWA versus NWA, mm-hmm. and then uh, a Rick Martel versus flair. And that was. Uh, but there was also one I didn't shoot there. Backland uh, TriWF versus flairs NWA. Did not shoot that one, but. Uh, Winnipeg was an unusual territory for wrestling in that uh, it wasn't, you know, it was sort of like uh, uh, Al Tomko, I think, was promoter using mainly AWA guys, but then there would be crossover. So it was like one of the most unique AWA territories because NWA, NWA sometimes tried WF, sometimes guys from Montreal would work the cards. Obviously, Piper, uh, according to him, that was where his first match was. I'm not sure, but that was the famous squash with uh, Larry the X Hennig. But anyway, uh, Hebner, that was a horrific weekend. You know, before I even go further on this, I want to ask you guys and maybe your audience later on, how does one time budget the wrestling every night, not including all the streamers like New Japan or not even talking about uh, NWA, uh, Billy Corgan's weekly great show uh, or MLW, uh, or any of the other stuff, you know, even a, a couple of sports nets, if you get direct TV, still offer repeats of Ring of Honor until we see what Tony Khan's going to do with that. But we have the three hours Monday. That's raw. Tuesday, one of the can't miss shows, even though they've fiddled around and messed with it, NXT, you know, all that young talent, they got rid, sadly, of all the old talent. And Io Shirai is the next legend who's departing. Uh, for that Wednesday, obviously, you know, tonight uh, when we're taping this is Dynamite. Thursday is almost an all-day of fantastic impact. Tomorrow on my own show, I'm interviewing Josh uh, Alexander, the current Impact champion. They have a big batch of shows this weekend. Uh, uh, I'll try to remember those. You know, I, being elderly and having pulled a bunch of all-nighters for an A and E. Uh, a little mm-hmm. forgetful, but so you know, you can watch on Impact. They have like a four-hour TNA paper you may not have watched. Then they have like an hour best of, and then they, you know, after the whole two hours of Impact, there's a great one hour of fairly recent New Japan. And Fridays, of course, you know, SmackDown, and then Rampage. Uh, if you want to watch uh, MLW Live, I think it's then. There's some lucha depending where you are in the U.S. or Canada on weekends. And now this huge block. How do you guys budget your time? And I'm not just talking maybe uh, pausing or like taping a show and fast-forwarding to the good parts, although I never fast-forward through anything AEW. Do you guys find it uh, hard to, to keep up with all of the stuff? Now we're getting that. We haven't even talked about what's going to be happening on Vice uh, with the territories things that perhaps might be replacing uh, the uh, – you know, the Dark Side of the Ring series, which I also supplied photos for. Pretty much anything on TV, film, or docus. Like there's a, a new documentary on the, the Tolis Brothers. I'm providing photos for that because I ran their fan club in the early 70s. And then there's some other project on the Sheik, ran his fan club, his international one in 1966. But how do you guys budget your time? Do you, do you find it like 
an impossible task every week. And then, wow. you know, there might be normal stuff you might want to watch. You might want to watch uh, Jimmy Fallon or uh, <laughs> America's Got Talent. Sure. How, do, how do you guys do it? Well, you know, Mike, it's just one of these things where, I mean, I go, I wake up pretty early on the weekends. I, I pretty much, uh, I'm my my day, my day-to-day work shift is from 5 to 1, 5 in the morning to 1.30 p.m. Uh, in the afternoon. Uh, I, I do a lot of weekend stuff. I have eliminated a few things from my viewing queue. I mean, I, I more or less have uh, removed. I, I fast forward a lot of the WWE product these days because it's just not grabbing me the way it used to. And I'm not one of those guys that gets into the whole one. Uh, this side is you know one, you're, you know pick a side. You know if it's AEW or WWE. I like all the guy. I mean, I do like all the wrestling. There's a lot of talented people out there, but it's uh, it comes down to what kind of stories keep me going. Going and uh, WWF or WWE, pardon me, it just isn't doing it for me as much as it used to. AEW uh, is probably the one I, I fast forward the least. I enjoy MLW from time to time. Uh, I do uh, check out Impact. I have the uh, subscription thing on YouTube where I watch the because I don't have access. Uh, uh, with our our cable here, so I watch the uh, program on uh, on YouTube on Fridays, and then I watch some uh, some of the pay per view stuff too. When they ha- and the free events that the Impact Plus offers as well, so it's it, and and I watch a lot of old school wrestling. So yeah, it's I don't know how I do uh, it. Sure I don't. Uh, you know, hence the name of your show. So I, I'm looking at the press release. So I'll be really quick. And sure, sure. Pro, or it's Michael Impact's uh, two nights of pro wrestling action. Uh, at the old Foresters Paris Town Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, for oh. Derby City Rumble. Beautiful. So Josh Alexander, who I interviewed tomorrow, but also Knockouts Women's World Champ Jordan Grace, terrific Jordan Grace. Oh, yeah. He's doing lots of press the next couple of days, tomorrow and Friday. And uh, so there's a ton of stuff going on. They seemingly have pay-per-views all the time for their members, you know, beyond the, the mm-hmm. big-time ones or whatever we're calling them now. And they what put on really good shows. And they put on really good it shows, was, Mike. Yeah, it was a great show. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Obviously, 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary, that was pretty amazing oh, yeah. with Dixie Carter and, and many others from the past mm-hmm. coming in there. But what is WWE now calling these things uh, special live events? What are they? What's their new jargon for pay-per-view that you, know, you can't say? Saturday specials or some sort of thing along the lines of... Premium like, live event. There you go. He got it. It's I'm a premium live event. I'm tired of calling a hospital a, uh, a, a what do they call that? A medical facility. They have this jargon. Medical facility. From, yeah, from legal. And, uh, I, you know, I complain when Timmy White and Dave Hebner passed, not so much about uh, Timmy White, who got proper treatment from WWE and, and everywhere in the world of, of our biz, but uh, Dave Hebner did not get a pre show graphic tribute and he had a lot of history there now i know they released he and the brother earl uh you you know for we don't need to go into that i think it was 2005 uh and and there was some heat there with the release but you know to not give him a graphic as well uh maybe after before after tim's on-screen graphic before the shows the monday and tuesday shows started uh you know right after they both died it, um, it it really irked me because Dave Hebner was in many, many, many roles. And, uh, you know, I first started taking pictures of him. Uh, like he was working for the Crockett's before mm-hmm. Crockett Jr., you know, took over whatever year it was, 85, the WTBS show from Black 
Saturday, you know, the whole Vince mm-hmm. mess and, and buying the time slot from uh, for that used to be occupied by beloved Georgia Championship Wrestling, which none of us missed. How many Saturdays, and even for the repeats of the Bill Watts shows on Sundays on TBS in the 70s and 80s, you know, until mm-hmm. 84, uh, we gave up all of our plans, and you never missed uh, Georgia Championship no. Wrestling on Saturdays and Sundays. And they did the attempt uh, with, you know, when, when Vince had uh, bought that time slot, bought the Georgia Championship Wrestling rights out, you know, they did try, Ole tried, because Ole wasn't going to quit with Championship Wrestling from Georgia. I mean, uh, that ran a little bit up until right around the point when Crockett kind of came in and, and the TV switched as far as who, who got to uh, put their show, show on. so early. Like okay. on the West Coast, it was at an ungodly hour. It was like at three in the morning. Michael, I don't know if you were watching back then, but uh, but it, it was on at like three thirty, and uh, you know, often my VCR at the time wasn't, you know, wouldn't tape it all the time. But mm-hmm. and it was with a lesser array of talent. You know, there was T. Bolt Patterson uh, during that period. Once the main show with Gordon Soley was gone, I, didn't, I think Soley when the, when Oli brought that back sort of the reincarnation, many, many, you know, early Saturday mornings. Gordon, I think, was still doing commentary, but the talent pool wasn't no. as great. I remember Thunderbolt Patterson, you know, partnering and then getting turned on by Ole. They revisited that. Uh, the Road Warriors were there, but, you know, then, boom, off they went to Memphis and the AWA and Japan and all of that stuff. Freebirds long gone. No Kevin Sullivan, no Teddy DiBiase, no JYD. Uh, I can't even remember the wrestlers. I think Rip Rogers. Yeah, I was, was just going to say, was it Rip Rogers and Ted Oates? Wasn't that the team? Yeah, and Rip Rogers, man, everybody, you know, I interviewed and talked to Serena Deeb not that long ago, one of his most recent prize pupils. He has had imprints on nearly everybody, like Tim White and, and Hebner. But Rip Rogers, you know, for decades. Here's a guy, when he went to wrestle for Otto Vons in Austria, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, he would, you know, this was even before emails, he would send me postcards with results or letters. When emails uh, was a possibility in 92, I would get all the stuff on the angles and the TV in Austria, wherever Rip was uh, wrestling. And, you know, he is Mr. OVW, Mr. You know, everything. So that was cool for him. Sadly, he and Brenda Britton have long not been part or together anymore. But yeah, she passed uh, on here what a couple of years back, right? Yeah, they were split way before yeah. that, which was yeah. kind of a shame. And uh, I barely recognized him. He was at an event I was at in 2019. Nobody knew he was coming in Vegas, and uh, uh, you know, it's like no beard. The hair was <laughs> all gray and cut really short. I, but you know, it was still ripped and. Uh, you know, and his whole history with the Popo family and so Oh, I didn't even mention New England Sports Channel. That's a cable net, you know, mm-hmm. you can get on uh, DirecTV, I'm sure, Dish. But they stopped, finally stopped airing the Ring of Honor repeat one-hour shows, and they're airing this thing from the Parsons father and son team. Sure. Classic all-star wrestling. They've aired a bunch of stuff I've never seen before that's not in public domain, it's not on YouTube. They have a lot of ICW, like... Uh, uh, Barbarian's very first match. He's wearing makeup. He's called something else. Conga, King Conga. Mm-hmm. Wrestling Randy Savage is a baby face uh, with Angelo Papo still not admitting that uh, Randy Savage was his son. They've aired all kinds of like Toronto stuff and Winnipeg stuff I've never seen before. Sheik against Tiger Jeet Singh in a cage. Not even at the Maple Leaf Gardens, but it was some small town. Terrific stuff. 
So I recommend that highly. That's on Wednesdays. It's only a half hour, and um, you know they utilize it to get people to sign up and get their streaming network of classic old-school matches. And yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. I know in terms of history, particularly Tim White was a real videophile. Uh, anytime I was privileged enough to go to his friendly tavern, obviously when Andre was there to take pictures or Blackjack Lanza or Andre or a million other guys, including the Hebners, uh, because uh, Timmy White and Dave Hebner's careers intersected, obviously, for a good three decades. But um, Tim White was like a total historian, lover of the biz, and he was at that same function that Rip Rogers was at, that I was at in Vegas in 2019. And I posed Tim, I didn't know it would be the last time I'd see him, with nearly everybody I could, from Jim Ross to the first WWE, WWF ring announcer, female ring announcer, Mike McGurk, mm. uh, and J.J. Uh, Dillon, you know, a wealth of people, obviously Automyvia. And there's something talking about TV. There's a whole other thing with Heels on Stars, Young Rock on NBC. How do you fit those things in? And now with all the <laughs> stuff in the media about uh, Dwayne's father, The Rock's father, Soul Man Rocky Johnson, who I knew well, rode around with, is uh, they're going to have to change the scripts. I don't know which, if you guys watched that, but yeah. uh, Rocky Johnson's like in every episode. And, you know, the, it, I should say those episodes, I, I know I'm reeling around, but I'm trying to give your you and your audience lots of info. Some of those stories are 100% factual on Young Rock. Others are not. And, and I... <laughs> I've been told by those I know at WWE, well, the reason for that is some of the names that work for uh, Automyvia, uh, for Honolulu Championship Wrestling, you know, if they said them, no one would know who Farmer Boy Epo is or any of the guys that really worked there. The, the, the only big names, she never had Roddy Piper or Andre or even Often Sika. They were too busy with Tri -W or WWF mm -hmm. or Greg Valentine or Sarge or any of those guys. She had a lot of, NW, and lot of NWA guys, wasn't it, the, the relationship? No, uh, no, the, the guys that she would have, she would have Kevin Sullivan and, because she brought some of her tours from Honolulu to San Jose, and I shot all of those. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Sullivan once brought Bruiser Brody, once brought the, the Sheik, the original fireball-throwing Sheik, Eddie Farhood. Uh, there was some New Japan guys, uh, biggest name of which was Tetsumi Fujinami, Dragon Fujinami, but also Kengo Kimura and some others. And that was kind of it because, I, you know, um, she did not have the ability to get guys going and coming from Japan, you know, Gaijin, Americans, the way Ed Francis, her predecessor, at, uh, you know, she ran at Blaisdell and other arenas, but Blaisdell's original name was the HIC, the Honolulu International Center. And let me just tell you one card I shot there. It was, uh, you know, if your fans are into history, on top, Sheik against Terry Funk, Texas Deathmatch, death double juice. Uh, for the AWA World Tag Straps, Nick Bockwinkel, Ray Stevens, defending against Pedro Morales, still as Tri-WF champion since this was 72. Sure. So he brought his Tri-WF belt, teaming with Bobo Brazil, Dream Team. Huh. Uh, Neil Moskaris, like in the opener against, uh, I think it was Ripper Collins or Mad Dog Vashon. You know, all of these stars. And then a battle royal that had Gene Kaniski, Andre and Baba. The first time Andre and Baba ever met was in Honolulu. 
And not appearing on the card, but he was on his way to All Japan for Baba was Bruno San Martino. So he's in the dressing room, and he only, you know, he did the stopover and decided to stay an extra day to see all his friends. He wasn't advertised on the card, so he told promoter Ed Francis and Lord Bleers, Talio Bleers, not to say he was there. But, you know, he was on the beach, uh, sat with him while he was getting his tan uh, at Waikiki. But he's in the back. So you had like everybody in the business who was anybody, and, and Leah could not equal that. And, you know, there were a lot of problems. So I'm not a dog in her. She was a nice lady, but she stiffed a lot of people on money, you know, so they depict some of that. But they, they just said, you know, well, they are uh, sort of uh, fudging the truth and saying which wrestlers were there and all of that stuff. Uh, a lot of us doubt that Dwayne had those moments, at least not in Honolulu, with Andre, you know, sitting there and Andre being like a secondary father figure. It, it, hopefully it is true, but from everybody I've talked to, that part is not. And there are enough elements that are dead on, uh, like Rock in the dressing room with The Undertaker, you know, the first time meeting him when he was just starting sure. out, blah, blah, blah. But the aspects of his uh, grandmother's, his legendary grandmother's promotion, not so much factual, but anyway. Uh -huh. So you have that to come in. They've been renewed. Uh, the ratings dropped a bit, but it's still like the number one sitcom on NBC, which is incredible. A sitcom about wrestlers, and then that, that magnificent show on Stars. I mean, the Rock, Young Rock is a terrific show, as is Stars. It's got its second season upcoming. Yeah, The Heels. Yeah. The Heels, rather, on Stars. That's incredible, uh, too. And uh, last time I talked to Tim White, uh, by email, you know, he was watching him and jazz, you know, saying, geez, this is incredible. Wrestling is so even more part of pop culture than it was during the rock and wrestling connection, you know, the 83, 84. You know, we thought all we were going to get back in the 70s was the one Andre appearance, Andre the Giant on The Tonight Show, and Johnny Carson wasn't even there that night. It was uh, uh, Mike Douglas or Joey Bishop filling in for, for Carson. And, and look at it now, or the Ollie Inoki thing, where on Wide World of Sports on ABC, you had Freddie Blassie and Vern Gagne, like sort of coaching Muhammad Ali against, uh, it wasn't Monsoon, I think it was Buddy Wolf on that particular show. So you had all, wrestling getting recognition, now it's it's like fully invested in, in all of pop culture. So it's, that's great to see. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Mike McCurdy, bring you into the conversation. I've just been sitting here listening to all the, all the good stuff. Uh, in regards to Mike's question about how, you know, you find time or budget time, I'm like Glenn. I'm a little bit on the other side, though. I'm usually up until like 3 and 4 in the morning. You know, the wife goes to bed, kids are asleep. I'm waking I'll have up it on while I'm working on something. It's always background for me. And then I look up, oh, I want to see this, I'll watch. But, you know, you're talking about stuff on TV. You also got the podcasts and I have a library of just hours and hours of podcasts. I listen to a lot of those while I'm at work, while I'm on my way home, stuff like that. So as far as time, but sometimes I'm actually listening to a podcast while I have like something on the TV in the background, kind of doing a little, you know, kind of do a little double header on that one. But yeah, there's a lot of product and a lot. And honestly, there's not enough hours. I mean, I'm looking forward to Sunday. I mean, I love the idea of coming home from work at night and getting to watch three and a half hours of, uh, well, and once I pass work, do the commercials less than that. Sure, sure. But like three hours of programming on Sundays because I've enjoyed the Legends biographies. In fact, I just was watching the uh, Ultimate Warrior one last night along with, uh, you know, Mick Foley. It's good stuff. 
And as a historian myself, I love the fact that we have access to all these podcasts where you can hear Mick Foley, Regal, uh, Kevin Nash has one now. Uh, you know, Shivani and all these guys where you can hear the stories from the guys that were there and they were part of it. So for me, that's fascinating. I sometimes enjoy more of the podcasts and the biographies than I actually watch the, the wrestling action. And some of that, I'll just look up the highlights on, you know, their, their respective Twitter feeds and see what I missed or what I want to go back and check out. Cause for me, I'm enjoying hearing all the stories. Michael, you and I go back a, a long time, but look for a couple of quick things is and there's a zillion almost everybody's got a podcast now and i do two weekly radio shows slash podcast every single week sometimes even more because i just got the assignment to uh, interview josh alexander impact world champion tomorrow out of the blue so that's an extra one but uh there are zillions of fantastic ones jim ross's chris jericho's obviously but look, in terms of pay-per-views, how insane was last Saturday? Was there, there was WWE's uh, uh, Money in the Bank. There was, because uh, mm-hmm. I also have to cover, now I, I have to blog and write these up and take notes while they're occurring. So I, have, I still cover boxing and MMA, so I had to cover UFC's pay-per-view the same night that we saw Vince attend his very first uh, UFC show live, you know, Triple H, Steph, and uh, I think... Uh, uh, total heel, Tony Khan was with them, and I think Pat McAfee rounded that out. But then there wasn't the impact. Wasn't there an Impact Plus pay per view last series? So no, fr- Friday it was. It was on Friday, Mike. Was it Friday? Yeah, okay. Friday. Oh, that was smart of Impact doing that. I, I was not able to watch that one, but uh, there's a plethora of these podcasts. So now a lot of these folks that normally would come on uh, radios and shows and podcasts. You wouldn't have any problem really just haggling to get, you know, get them on to fit their time schedules. Uh, now they want money because they're already doing their own podcast, spewing all this history. So it's, uh, it's difficult. So Michael, which ones are your favorite, maybe for both of you guys, which are your favorite podcasts out there now or your top five say? Uh, for me, I'm a diehard. I never miss the experience or the drive through with Jim Cornette and Brian last. I never miss those. Uh, talk is Jericho is in there. Uh, I love Foley's pod, uh, the new McFoley podcast. And, um, I'm also a big fan of, uh, the new one from the road dog, uh, Brian James. He's got a really good one. I listen to JR depending on what the subject is because I get tired of watch alongs. What's, what's the, he does the a last, lot of those. What's the last guy, Brian? What was his last name? Uh, Brian James. Uh, Brian Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Jesse James. Brian yeah. Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He, would have, he would have some incredible ones. Uh, so it, it's hard to fiddle those things in. I, I know both Hebner and Tim White uh, had done my um, show, but it was like years and years and years ago, and now – it's a little bit uh, rougher. And you know the thing that irks me, too? They were in an era where the, both the ring announcer, you know, whether it was uh, Mike McGurk or whomever, uh, the Fink, Howard Finkel, would announce the referee by name. You know, that was, since wrestling, pro wrestling dates back to the at shows, you would say to the crowd who the referee is. But that's all stopped for at least the last 10 years, particularly or mostly in WWE, where they don't even refer to them during the match. Like how often did Jim Ross say, you know, Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner's done this. 
or the announcers prior to him, and uh, and then of course Timmy White they would mention by name. Now they don't get introduced in the ring introductions. They don't get referred to by the announcer. Uh, it, it, it's insulting to them, and it's insulting to the audience to not acknowledge these people because they work very hard. They try not to have the spotlight. This is what Tim, uh, both Tim and, and Dave told me over the years. You never want to be the focal point or have the audience like staring at you unless there's, you know, like the specific Andre DiBiase and the evil twin switch thing uh, or the stuff that uh, Timmy White where he got really hurt in the, uh, the Jericho Triple H Hell in a Cell at Judgment Day. Uh, match and, and taking those bumps uh, in and outside the ring from Jericho and, and but they're, they're more often not you know that's why I love seeing Aubrey Edward, Edwards who really shows some personality while not I mean that's a fine line while not making yourself a focal point she does an incredible incredible job and I uh, talked and photographed her before she even started A&E she was on a ton of pro wrestling guerrilla shows before I moved down, I would fly down to cover them. And, uh, you know, now, you know, so it, it's great seeing that because uh, A&E, and then I'll get back to our, our referee brothers, A&E is like an outgrowth on a big budget. You know, people say, oh, it's uh, ECW on steroids with big money. But it also truly is an outgrowth of Pro Wrestling Guerrilla from Los Angeles, Super Dragons promotion that's at least like 20 some odd years old. It came about as did ring of honor and evolved from, uh, all pro wrestling's King of the Indies in 2001, where they brought in all the best indie workers from all over the world. Well, that's what you see like every time at a PWG show. And, and now that's South San Francisco wrestling show and, and a, a zillion different groups, fantastic group in Washington state that brings in Chris Daniels and all these amazing talents, uh, uh, primarily, you know, through A and E, you know, on their off days. It's it, the stuff today is so exciting. The business has never been more exciting. Um, you know, so the, the loss of these guys is felt really, really hard for those of us who still revere history, who live through the territories. That was my life's goal was to hit, uh, from about 71 on to hit every single territory I could. And the only one I didn't get to physically go to my first shoot time shooting ringside in Japan was 74 for the uh, Jack Briscoe to Baba and back NWA title swap thing uh, which was just I, I think what I heard was it was like a monetary thing just so Baba you know could up his profile and they did that later with the Jumbo Suruta and the Rick Martel stuff with both AWA and NWA titles Harley Race dropping also to Baba uh, after a couple of years after the Jack Briscoe dropping his NWA title to Baba, Giant Baba. Uh, but like today is like absolutely incredible. I mean, uh, I didn't get to shoot that uh, the uh, Weekly Pro magazine of Japan. They had a show uh, in the 90s, I think 94 or 96, where like every major group on the planet sent matches in. Well, the Ric Flair retirement thing, I think it's July 30, 30th, a lot of groups, particularly MLW and Impact, are sending in fantastic talent. I think Josh and Jordan Grace are going to be on that show. But there's uh, Motor City Machine Guns in a dream match. I forget who they're wrestling. You know, so MLW uh, and lots of other groups sending in matches. So uh, I'm not sure if A and E A W is yet, but uh, it's a little smaller scale, but very similar. 
to that weekly pro. That's that's how the name translates. The the one remaining because Gong Magazine of Japan, which started as a monthly in the '60s, that went under about 14 years ago, and the only one remaining is its much younger rival. It's called Pro Rest, It's Weekly Pro Shukan Pro slash Baseball. Yet there's no baseball in the magazine. It's just pro wrestling. So I don't know. It, no one's ever been, even my editors have never been able to adequately explain why baseball is part of that title, but um, they were the ones that had the original, like, super show. Uh, right about the same time as uh, Inoki's World Wrestling Peace Festival in L.A., where WWF bowed out. They were going to send a match, you know, in addition to WCW, sending several matches like uh, the giant Paul White against Sting, etc. Benoit against Alex Wright, and at the very last minute, WWF did not follow through, but there were AAA matches, CMLL, EMLL matches, tons of guys from Japan. Anyway, back to these guys, and, and Timmy White said he got to referee once in Japan, and that was a thrill for him. I don't think Dave Hebner ever got to, to ref there, uh, but... Uh, Lots of lots of stories. So many of the boys, and, and, and even WWE, the folks I know there in archiving and beyond, they're asking for my shots of uh, Tim White's Friendly Tavern, famous bar, where I'm sure you guys remember a lot of the stuff, particularly in the 90s, angles shot at bars where there'd be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the place would be like destroyed. The, the boys, whoever it happened to be, would be destroying each other in a bar. That was usually shot at Tim White's bar, as you guys probably know. And he was always amenable and uh, did so much well beyond really being the caretaker for Andre the Giant after Frank Valois stopped like the first year and a half into Andre's career uh, once he got out of Montreal in 72 and Vince McMahon Sr. started booking him in 73, changing his name from Jean Ferre to Andre the Giant. Uh, Tim White, you know, many years later, uh, through pretty much all the 80s and 90s until uh, Andre left, uh, WWF, uh, Tim made sure he got to all the shows, the hotels, on the airplanes, all of that stuff. Lots of road trips, lots of trips uh, to the bar. And I remember Tim right in front of Andre, because Andre couldn't remember this, but at, at Tim's friendly tavern asked me to retell the story. Andre tried to break the Guinness Book of World Records for drinking consecutive cans of beer without any breaks at our KCOP Channel 13 TV studios in Los Angeles when he came in for my primary home base, which was the L.A. Mike LaBelle offices. Uh, it was December, it was the, our Christmas TV taping. You know, they taped two Saturdays, and that would be it for December. So it was like December 20th of 1974. Andres, you know, all the fans were, you know, taken out of the venue, and it was just the boys, like Ed Carpentier from Montreal, who's one of Andres' best worker friends, uh, the Hollywood Blondes, the original ones, uh, Buddy Roberts, Jerry Brown, Sir Oliver Humperdick, manager, and uh, guys like Pampiro Furpo, Black Gordon, Victor Rivera, all watching Andre. He hit 211. I think he had to break 217 cans, and he passed out. Of uh, It was like Miller or Paps Blue Red. And, and Andre just couldn't make it. So, of course, he couldn't even recall that. He remembers, you know, working there because on that same TV taping, the late Bobby Shane came in and worked two TVs for us on his way to Japan. And then by the time he got back to Florida, where uh, promoter Eddie Graham was going to try to put the NWA bond on him, so consideration we put at the NWA meeting that Bobby Shane become NWA world champion. Well, Bobby died, you know, in that, that 
other plane crash. We had like two horrific wrestler plane crashes within months of each other. But we got to see Bobby Shane, you know, en route to Japan in all of his, uh, he was one of the original kings of wrestling about the same time as Jerry Lawler, you know, way before Harley Race or uh, any others would lay claim to that thing, that particular gimmick. But So Tim White wanted to hear about that. Uh, Hebner, great memories of him because he did all kinds of stuff besides he and Tim White being road agents and uh, helping with storylines, whether they were part of them or not. But Dave Hebner in particular was like the guy, when you go backstage in the 90s, like 96, 97, 98, 99, or whenever, anyway, he would give the guys their cuts or draws against their designated salary. So you'd see all of these guys in line, whether it was McFoley, Undertaker, you know, if they needed their draws, you know, some money to pay for hotel expenses, rental cars, what have you, they're all in line. Dave Hebner was the guy that gave them their envelopes. And uh, if Pat Patterson, who you know, obviously I knew since the 70s San Francisco office, my secondary home-based territory shooting ringside for the program, if Pat or Mick Foley weren't there to give me a uh, photographer's sticker to put on so I could shoot ringside at non-televised house shows, then Dave Hebner was always gracious enough to give that to me. And he was a terrific guy as well. You know, so I really pain many of us when Earl and, and Dave and I think even Brian were all let go uh, in mass, whatever year that was, 2005, I think it was. But particularly Earl, you know, they uh, right away, Dave debuted, I forget how long, right after the release from WWF or WWE, he was what it was called at the time, uh, to TNA, you know, in that one big show. So a lot of great memories. Uh, the boys that I've talked to, they were all upset that Dave Hebner did not at least get the same little vignette not a vignette, but just a graphic with his picture, you know, saying WWE salutes uh, Dave Hebner. Because I'm pretty sure Impact did that properly and did that for him, and probably both of them. But WWE just saluted Tim White. And, you know, that's their prerogative. But these were guys, uh, more so Tim, but, you know, still, even with the heat, even with the release, I think Dave Hebner deserved that on WWE TV. It was in, you know, on... Somewhere buried on their website, which is fine, but you know, still they should have done it on TV because of that guy's you know decades of history with them. Yeah, I have a question I'd like to uh, to pose here, and I'd like to kind of get a response from you, Mike and Glenn. I'd like to kind of get your uh, take on it as well. Yeah. You mentioned referee Aubrey Edwards in AEW, but you know if you look back, like you said, they used to announce who the referee was, but you had referees that you remembered. You had you know your Tommy Youngs and Nick Patrick, Randy Anderson. Uh, Brian Hildebrand, you know, Mark Curtis, you had, you know, Dave, you had Tim White. Nowadays, these guys are, you know, we're losing. Who was that Memphis ref? The Memphis ref was like in every single match. Was it? Uh, Jerry Calhoun? Calhoun? Yeah, Calhoun. He had, you know, yeah. famous, famous refs, and these guys were superstars. Dick Kroll and Dick Worley yes. from Tri-WF in the 70s got to do a couple of tours for uh, All Japan and BABA, and our Red Shoes do it. So people always are asking me, the Red Shoes referee in uh, New Japan, you know, the young, fairly young guy uh, who has the son that's mm -hmm. wrestling at the, the angle. Anyway, he, uh, this current Red Shoes is, was a total mark with the, the, the wording for that in Japanese is Okugai, is a mark for 
Johnny Red Shoes Dugan. He was the original one. He was our ref, and he routinely, Inoki would bring him in to, to ref big New Japan matches in the 70s, like when uh, Inoki took the NWF world title from Johnny Powers. That NWF title uh, in, like I think it was 75, would become what we now call the IWGP. It was combined with some other title. That's the IWGP title. We also had another ref out of L.A. that would ref routinely Jerry Murdoch, uh, and Hank Bettini, two of them, would work for Baba's All Japan. But Dick Worley, Dick Kroll were, I think, the best known, and Johnny Redshoes Dugan in the 60s, 70s, early 80s, globally for pro wrestling referees. Mm-hmm. So you knew whatever territory you were in, whether it was the Sheiks, Detroit, or Toronto, or wherever, is, and I'll shut up, is, <laughs> uh, you knew who the referees were, you know, immediately. You'd hear their name, you go, oh, okay, that's Memphis, that's Winnipeg, that's Calgary, you know, et cetera. They were well-known, and uh, the boys liked it. No one had a problem with it, so I don't know what the deal is with the WWE all these years, but it's just like one more thing taken away from us. You know, it's like Carney, the wrestler's language, that's long dead, a thing of the past, and and, and so many other things. Uh, Not being able to call the belt a belt or a strap, you know, it has to be championship, or if you get a, a title shot, no, no, it's a championship opportunity. You can't say any other wording, just championship opportunity. I don't mean to pick on them. But it's like, why mess with traditions and try to rewrite history? Because the fans are going to rebel. The fans in Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, and uh, Memphis and Nashville, are, and Chicago, some of the greatest, they refuse, like Japanese fans, to allow anyone to tinker with wrestling history. They rebel against it, and thank God they do. Well, that kind of leads to my question. Uh, you know, you mentioned all these names, and as these guys are passing on, and I- do you see the referee or the referees is still having a chance to be like a star name? I mean, other than, like I said, Aubrey Edwards, Rick Knox, you know, in AEW, do you see the referees just kind of not being as the star attract or not attraction, but a star name that you recognize? And, you know, does that still thing? And if so, is that, is that a good thing that this is going away? I'll, I'll try to be brief since I chew up lots of show real estate. But, no, it's not a good thing. And the reason you know those people is because they're constantly, they're simply allowed, not excessively, but to be uh, mentioned. Their name's mentioned on TV. And you know, uh, I think the other one, the famous Ring of Honor ref that's in AEW, they all get acknowledged. You know who they are. That's a good thing. There are matches, particularly in WWE, who I'm sadly picking on now, but there are matches where there's no referee needed, uh, which is, you know, come on. I mean, you can just gimmick us so much. I don't think that's a good thing. I think, you know, the referees have to pass the information along, like when it's Miller time, when to go home, when to end the match, when to do a spot, when to throw the fire, or, or what have you. And they're a means of communication between the two opponents that are doing the dance, the heel and the face. So uh, I think it's a bad thing. And and that's why, I mean, I don't think, how many, you know, since we lost Mike Chioda, he doesn't, uh, he's not in WWE now. Uh, You know, there's one guy, one guy only I know from Pro Wrestling Iron, which is a California Mike Modest Donovan Morvan promotion, and he's the Asian American uh, ref who, and now I think he's been there the longest in uh, WWE. And uh, he used to go by the name of Bonsai Bruce Bukaki when he actually wrestled. Yep. And 
<laughs> and, and ref, and he's a very good guy, and it, it brings a smile to my face whenever I see him there. You know, we had another guy, an African American referee in WWE, on the main roster for about two years, uh, from uh, Kirk White, the late Kirk White's big time thing. He didn't last long because he was always like looked like he was snarling or he was unhappy on camera. So I, I love the fact. I will compliment WWE. Lots of diversity, female referees. You know, not just on NXT but on main roster. Uh, you know, besides the the diversity we see head to toe on AEW, Impact, etc. Uh, but at least uh, referee wise in WWE, lots of diversity. I just wish they would mention who these folks are, give them some backstory. Like, for example, somebody was asking me about Toxic Attraction and those two tag team uh, that just lost their straps on NXT last night. There was no backstory. When they switched from the black and gold, the dark NXT, which was terrific with all those global stars, to you know what it is now, a farm system with green talent for the most part, other than uh, uh, Roderick Strong, uh, the... Uh, they had no backstory. They were just thrown in there. You know, they, they never let these guys say, we didn't know. I still don't know. Did they ever work on the indies or are these, some of these, uh, out of wrestling, true sports, uh, people that they're signing and, and turning and trying to turn into wrestlers. You know, they're, they're great workers, but I, who are they? Where did they come from? You know, they were just there. And then Mandy Rose starts scouting them for no reason. You know, there was no reason given, which, when you don't have a rationale, even a basic thing, I know the product's geared towards kids. NXT is not, but at least dot the I's, cross the T's. Give, don't underestimate fan intelligence. Tell us what's going on, and uh, at least again pay tribute to Timmy White and Dave Hebner. They never insulted our intelligence the way a lot of things are in that company now. You know, you mentioned uh, the women's tag team match. Uh, one of the girls in that tag team, one of the new champions, is Roxanne Perez. Uh, which is Roxy, who came out of a Ring of Honor, who also came here from Texas. Uh, she was trained out here by Booker T with the Reality of Wrestling. So for uh, for us here in Texas, we're really proud of Roxanne Perez because she's one of our local girls. So and the her tag partner too, uh, Cora Jade. She came out of the same school. Is that correct? She was a Booker T grad. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that's why they get along. You can see they have great chemistry, so they're going to make a great tag team. Two superstars, both like in contention, like I think Rox, I still are going to call her Roxy. And what a pleasure, you know, I hate it that she had to put over uh, the then Impact World Champion when she was on Impact, that one show, uh, to drop the Ring of Honor title. I think that's where it was. But. Mm -hmm. But she has, man, she's got charisma. She's got everything going for her. So, yeah, we're all proud. Those are two class female athletes and kind of really shining in that, you know, with Io Shirai gone, which a lot of us lament from NXT, at least we have those two because they both have fire. They're incredible. And at least we, you know, many of us know their backstory. They've been allowed to talk. The other ones, they barely say a word. You know, you, you don't know what's going on with them, where they came from. They just appeared when they had to dump a ton of talent. You know, all of that around, what was it, last October when NXT went to the generic thing it is now, the farm system. They dumped a whole bunch of talent. And, you, you know, you can't keep up with all of that stuff, let alone all the angles and, and try to learn all these folks' names and who they are and, and 
you know, who is Joe Gacy? Okay, you got to look him up online and see work the Indies, a great indie worker, and all of this stuff. So I don't know, and, and I hope they don't go up to the main roster. Everybody seems to get ruined there, with few exceptions. You know, Riddle, who had to drop his first. There's another thing. These guys having to drop their first names. You know, if you Andrade, Claudio, as Cesaro, all of these guys, so many of them had to drop their first names, and you can't call uh, them Austin Theory or Matt Riddle. Give me a, a break. That's so frustrating. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass that question over over to you real quick. Um, what do you see as the you – know, do you see the referee as a as a name attraction kind of fading into the into the background now with the passing of a lot of these guys? And, you know, is that a good thing? Well, it's not a good thing. No, it's, it's definitely not a good thing because I always found the referees through the years, there was a few that had that personality that, you know, it, they didn't over, overbear, weren't overbearing, but they were there and you were, were recognized. Another one I think about is whenever I watch uh, Georgia Championship or NWA is Scrappy McGowan. You guys remember Scrappy, right? He had that hair and he was always moving around. Yeah, he's just he's just a little live wire. You know, guys like that. I mean, up here in AWA country, we had a guy who was, uh, he looked like a manhole cover, uh, Marty Miller. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we had that. We also had, you know, you go down to... Um, you down to Texas, down to to Fritz's territory. Uh, you know, a character like uh, a former wrestler, Bronco Lubage, who sometimes just tapped his toe instead of his hand when he was making a count. Yeah. Characters. He couldn't get down to the mat. No. Hey, Michael, I, but one quick thing. I still saved all of the annual Christmas cards that Bronco Lubitsch and his wife used to send. Really <laughs> miss him. One of the, even though he was a heel when he was a wrestler, managed by Homer Odell, one of the sweetest, nicest guys ever in the biz. Man. Maybe not the greatest ref because he was very arthritic. He couldn't sure. move. He couldn't fly around the ring like Johnny Red Shoes Dugan, which is why so many in Japan were marks for him. This guy, the ref, even in his advanced age, well into his 70s, would fly around the ring to count a pin. You would not see that with Bronco. No, no, no. But Bronco always had that nice little mustache. He always looked like he was dressed proper, ready to go out for an evening uh, instead of just, oh, yeah, I got to get this wrestling thing done. Uh, also, uh, let me see here. Frank Morrell of, uh, you know, sometimes wrestled, uh, for, for Lawler, but was a referee and is towards the end of his career, kind of a big imposing figure when I guess he was kind of the guy, uh, when, you know, Morton's dad or, uh, or, uh, Jerry Calhoun was probably preparing to referee the, another Lawler main event. And also a couple of guys that aren't with us anymore. You talk about uh, referees that you know from the Nitro era and even in the, uh, just of the '90s, and a guy who was just so beloved and you know uh, by many in the pro wrestling business when he passed, it was a big loss. Was Mark Curtis? Right. Yeah. Two AM calls from Brian Hildebrand. This was when all, the only people that knew him of him were the uh, the Dennis Corluzzo Philly jersey, you know, from 1989 on, where he was Doctor Mean Mark Curtis. He was heel manager, and when Dennis Corluzzo would bring in like Terry Funk or Eddie Gilbert as heels, Doctor Mean Mark Curtis, aka Brian Hildebrand, would be <laughs> their uh, their manager. So it was a very cool surprise to see him and then another guy whose name uh, I forget from the Boston uh, Indy area. He came in, but he also ref for Coraluzzo and Coraluzzo's enemy Todd, or excuse me, Joel Goodhart. His TWA that uh, where his number two guy was Todd Gordon. The TWA was a precursor to ECW. Mm-hmm. So lots of refs. Brian Hildebrand though total historian and he could do anything from heel managing to actually wrestling although he was like 90 pounds soaking wet to then his straight stint as uh, uh, WCW referee and and of course Les Thatcher did those 
tribute shows for both Brian Pillman and uh, Brian Hildebrand that were mm. such a big success, such an important thing that everybody on the planet went to those. Those were like Russell cons. They were such an important, and it was just a show to help raise funds for the, the families. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a huge loss, Brian Hildeman. That was, oh, and there was that other guy that had cancer. Pee-wee Anderson. Randy, Randy Pee-wee Pee-wee. Anderson, a guy who worked what, both for, you yeah. know, the TBS stuff and he worked for Watson Mid-South too. I mean, yeah, there was another guy you, and I think about those days, the Techwood Drive TV stuff, I think of, I could see Pee-wee. Uh, he was a really sweet guy. Or, I mean, one of my best friends, Fonzie, Bill Alfonso, yes! a straight referee, straight goofing around for Eddie Graham's Florida and in WCW where since he could, he was Cuban and he spoke Spanish, he uh, was the, you know, the, the guy that took care of El Gigante, Jorge Gonzalez, Giant Gonzalez, took care of him way before his incredible ECW run, <laughs> straight down the middle yeah. to having that blood, where he nearly died in that blood feud with uh, Beulah McGillicuddy. Mm. And I, I hope everybody knows that, that at least that last name came from Paul Heyman's love of I Love Lucy because that was Lucille's maiden name before ma- marrying the uh, Ricky Ricardo character, Lucy McGillicuddy. That's where that name came from. Anyway, she still talks, as does Tommy Dreamer, her husband, about the night she nearly killed him hanging uh, Fonzie upside down in the tree of woe, and he's juicing gush- gushers of blood coming out. But you do that upside down, and you know <laughs> yeah. his heart was racing. He could have easily died in that match. Yeah, I urge people to go check that out on YouTube. It's unbelievable. I swear they could have, uh, you know, the, the arena could have applied for flood insurance the way that blood was flying out of him that night and on the ring. Boy, and one more before we go, a guy has been on our show, uh, you, you talk about East Coast referees, David Dunnell. There's another guy who kind of was in around the late, mid to late 1980s. Oh, let me throw this at Sparky Ballard, one of the greatest refs of any genre. He's, he's been refing for like 20 years. He's got a wrestling school. He's on the West Coast. An, an amazing guy, total historian of the biz. I just want to send a shout out. He's one of today's great refs, too. I would love to see him join that all-star team of refs in AEW. So there's there's potential here. There's there's potential here. It's not quite what the, it, it could be, but I mean there is still uh, some 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 potential for for referees who have a little bit of a character to them. Well, you know what, man? It's always a pleasure to have you on the program, uh, Mike. And we definitely should have you back on here uh, just to talk. We could just uh, sp- have two or three random topics to talk about, and we'll spin around. And we'll see where the conversation lands because it's fun talking pro wrestling with a guy like you who is, has had all of. The this experience and again the door is always open for you to come on to the program and as always i apologize for chewing up the real estate because like uh, when i'm on busted open bully ray will say geez Leno could uh, we don't even need to be here Leno could just talk non-stop like enzo uh, <laughs> the wrestler <laughs> let me give out my email if anybody's sure. interested in getting a hold of me or photos dating back to the 60s to current W-R-E-A-L-A-N-O at AOL.com. Yep, I'm old. I've had that email since 1992. It <laughs> looks like real Lena with a W in front. Do not miss any of the Impact stuff. Tomorrow, full day Thursday of Impact Wrestling. And uh, just want to thank you guys. Don't want to get the whole so much day. And be back. great. Thank you. And for Mike God Leno. Bless, God bless Timmy White. And Dave Hebner. We miss both of these amazing people. Far too young at, what, age 73 and 68 to have been taken away from us. Absolutely. For Dr. Mike Lano and the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Rasslin' Memories.